Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. So everybody all done with all of their Christmas shopping? What's wrong with you people? I'm not either. I'm just laughing. I admit. Although I did go out and buy my Christmas gift and call my wife and tell her that what she's going to give me for Christmas. And it's, I'm going to be so happy with the gift she got me for Christmas. I'm, I'm thrilled beyond measure. Y'all don't get it, do you? You want a happy marriage, then you need to pick those things out so they know what to buy you. That way you never have to take anything back. And you don't have to sit here and act like you're happy when this is not what I wanted. But <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got a great Sunday next Sunday coming up. It's going to be awesome, the 19th. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. It really is. And then, of course, you'll hear more from Pastor Sean about the uh, Christmas Eve service. It's going to be an awesome time to have our candlelight service and communion. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. But I'm excited. I love this type of, that time of year. I really do. I, to me, it's my, I enjoy Christmas. Now, I realize this is not the season Jesus was born, but it's the season everybody celebrates that he was born. I don't have time to get in with all of you religious people who want to tell me how wrong it is to have Christmas because Jesus wasn't born at this time of year. In fact, he was born probably more towards Easter. He didn't die when we celebrate his death. But we do celebrate his death and resurrection. My attitude is, hey, we're celebrating Jesus, okay? Get over it. And, uh, and I, I'm not going to go through because I want to get into my message today, but I just want to cover some quick ground here. Uh, yeah, we have Christmas trees on the platform. I thought I'd point that out if y'all haven't noticed. Because there's always somebody who goes, I can't believe you got them trees on the platform. Well, no. My attitude is this. If you have a problem with this tree on the platform, then go to your house and any tree in your yard, cut it down. I mean, it really, we're going to make a deal about trees? Stop it. This is a sign of year that we should seize the moment to witness like we never have before and not get caught up with all of this trappings of all this other nonsense. Because everybody, I'm telling you right now, everybody is open because it's Christmas. And it's amazing how many people you can talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and people will listen to you. And you know what I've heard more this year than any, any other time in a long time? Merry Christmas. Have you noticed that? I, I have not had one person from any store or any restaurant say to me, Happy Holidays. Holidays. You mean Merry Christmas. And, I, and, and, I, and, you know, I don't know. It's been a lot different this year. So get out there, take advantage of it, and let people know that Jesus is the reason for the season. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's exciting. You know, it's, I, I love Christmas. I, I, love, I love the lights. I love the music. I, I, I just love everything about it. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to ask you to turn, if you would please, over to the book of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to begin in chapter 8. We're going to begin to look at some things together as we talk, continue our teaching on the subject of grace. Last week as we began to look into the subject of grace, traditional teaching is grace is unmerited favor. And we found out that... Uh, Grace is anything but unmerited. 
We know that in John chapter 1, Jesus is, is not only given us life, but he's given us grace, that Jesus gives grace to all of us. We also know that Jesus grew in grace. He, 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 as he got older, he grew in the grace. The word grace is the empowerment of God's influence upon an individual's life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit is what grace is. Grace operates according to one's faith. We know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That was a fascinating. Go back and read that. And that word in the Old Testament means that he found favor in the eyes of God. He found favor in the eyes of God. He didn't find unmerited favor. He found favor. Why did he find favor? Because he was the only one that was living right before God. Hello. And the world was destroyed, but he was not destroyed because he had grace or he had favor with God because he merited the favor of God upon his life through his obedience. We know in the book of James last week we discovered that when we talk about grace, the Bible says that God gives grace, gives more grace to the humble. It says, be not, oops, excuse me, be not proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if God, if I walk humbly before God, God gives me, my grace begins to multiply the empowerment of God. In other words, the more I submit to God, the more of God I have available to me. That's basically how that works, and that's awesome. Because when we begin to move into that dimension, we realize that grace is for our own good to be able to fulfill the purpose and will of God in our lives. So I can fulfill the purpose and the will of God that he's placed upon my life that I'm to walk in. But what we've done in our tradition is we call grace unmerited favor. And therefore, it's not by works of righteousness, but by God's mercy we're saved. And through grace we're saved. So we put mercy and grace together because mer mer mercy is unmerited. Grace is merited. That we've used the term grace to try and get the body of Christ to sit around and do nothing because it's already been paid for. We have the grace of God. So it's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Everybody's going to be saved because of the grace of God. But the Bible says as many as received Jesus to them gave you power to become the sons of God. So if I don't receive Jesus, I cannot become a child of God. If I cannot become a child of God, I cannot have the grace that God has for me. So I can't use grace as an excuse not to live for God. And that's what we've done in the, in the traditional church. And I want, to, I want to get that out of the way real quick so we can get into some understanding today. Of grace. We, last week we discovered some other things about grace. We discovered that in the book of Acts that grace was manifested through signs and wonders and miracles. By the grace of God, they, they saw the power of God flow into the church in the book of Acts. And we can go through, uh, if you will, the book of Acts and you see where it talks about the grace of God set upon them with signs and wonders and miracles. Well, the grace of God was manifested through them, through the, through the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested. The place was shaken. The book of Acts is a wonderful book that talks about how the Holy Spirit operates because of that empowerment of grace that God has placed in us. Now, grace operates based upon the faith that is in you. Everybody get that? The grace of God is going to manifest itself in and through my life through my faith in what God has said. We walk by faith and not by sight. If I walk in faith, then I activate the empowerment of God in my life, which is God's grace. So as we look at that, we want, we want to get into some areas today that I think is very, very important that we, we discover together. We, we know that 
Jesus is the giver of grace, John 1, 1, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, in John chapter 1, verse 14. God gives grace to the humble. We've said that earlier, James chapter 4 and verse 6. Grace of God was upon Jesus. He grew in grace in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. As he grew in the spirit, grace was multiplied in his life. Giving is an act of grace. Let me say that. Giving is an act of grace. I want to talk to you about that today. Because I want us to understand some things about this, this subject, empowerment of grace. Now, when we talk about Noah, just for a quick moment, we're going to look over here in 2 Corinthians. But when we talk about Noah, found grace in the eyes of God. And God rescued Noah. And, and because of, he obeyed God, God gave grace to him, favor. And what was he able to do? He was able to do something that was impossible in his time. He was able to build an ark. Now, they didn't have engineering license back then. He had no architectural plans back then. But he built an ark that the animals came into the ark that he kept and survived the, the rain. When the, when the waters and the deep broke open from underneath the earth and the rain came down, there was this ark that all these animals in his family was in that God had empowered him by the Holy Spirit with the grace of God that he would have the wisdom and the ability to do what nobody else could do, and that was build an ark. Nobody knew what an ark was. They'd never seen rain. They had no idea. They went back and go, what is that? Oh, it's an ark. What's an ark? This is an ark. No one couldn't even tell them what it was. But listen to what happened to him, though. Once he weathered the storm, oh, you got to get this. He's walking to the grace of God. He's able to build what he could, men could not build. He's able to save what men could not save on their own because of the grace of God that was in his life. In the moment of the ark settled on the mountain, and he came off of the came out of the ark. It said he gave a he gave a gift to God. He, he he gave an offering to God. And God said, because of the offering that you've given to me, I know men will be wicked in their imaginations. But because of what you just done and honored me as the first thing you did, he says, I'll never destroy the earth again this way. And so he reversed the curse that was on the earth. What an offering. Isn't it amazing? But now let's go a little bit further. We go to the next chapter, 1, and it says, God said to Noah, it's amazing, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Same thing he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Evidently, our ability to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish is based upon our willingness to walk in obedience to God, which means we're walking by faith and not by sight, which means now grace as we continue to do that and, and as we walk before God in being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing. He says not only do we have authority, I said not only do we have authority, but grace begins to multiply. Our authority will grow. Our ability to produce will grow. In other things, everything begins to enlarge. Now, I want you all to get a hold of that because I'm going to give you some scripture in just a few moments. But I want you to get your pure minds thinking that everything you do in life as a believer should always increase. Hmm. That goes a little bit against the, the opposite of what we've been taught in the past, doesn't it? We've been taught in the past, we've got to give to those he wants to give to. Keep back from those he wants to keep back. God will bless this one, maybe not that one, because this one's just not, God wants to teach this one a lesson, but this one needs no lesson because they're so good. 
I mean, this is, I mean, this is traditional church stuff that we've been taught. And we bought it hook, line, and sinker. That's why we say grace is unmerited. Because we don't want to have to deal with the fact that grace is going to require something. People who teach grace doesn't require anything are people who don't know their Bible. I don't mean to be ugly or unkind, but they're so caught up in their traditions, they don't know what the Word of God says. They believe the tradition over the Word of God. They look at me strange. We talked about this last week. We know this, that, there, that, that when Jesus was visited by the, by the Magi, that he was in a house. He was two years old. But we've got three kings and or and our coming into the church First off, they traveled in, in, in literally in caravans of hundreds. They said they probably had between probably three to five hundred in their caravan. When they got to the house where Jesus was living, and then we hear that Jesus was poor. I had to tell you this, but I've been over there. Poor people don't have houses in that country. They live in tents and they live outside. They don't have houses. But Jesus was, come on, tell somebody, say, Jesus had a house. See, because Jesus said, I had nowhere to lay my head, it wasn't because he didn't have a house. It was because he chose to do what he was doing. Mm, I'm not going to get into that. I got to wait for you. I almost got into the New Year's Day's message today, Rich Angrua. Jesus This is traditions. So We've got to get away from this tradition. I'm trying to break this tradition in this. Jesus was living in a house. He was two years old. When they got there, they opened up their treasures. Now, first off, he was living in a house, so Jesus wasn't as poor as everybody wants you to believe that he was. And for some reason, the church thinks it's so cool that Jesus was poor. The, the barn that he was born in was a place that they were raising the unblemished Animals make sacrifices in the temple, which was like a Ritz Carlton for animals. Lord, help me. The shepherds that were there were the ones that were priests that were overseeing the animals that were going to be brought to sacrifice. But we got some poor dumb shepherd that's been out and had a bath in 20,000 years and smells like I don't know what. And he comes in with raggedy clothes and he comes in, here's Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. Poor baby Jesus. <laughs> He's wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is a particular type of cloth that they would wrap royalty in. They would wrap them in the swaddling clothes because they would, what they would put salt upon them and would bind them up. And it was something they did, an act of royalty, declaring they were royal. But see, we, we don't believe that because we like our tradition. We like the three guys, you know, the, the white, the black, and the oriental. We like that. One camel. They could afford more one. And they could only bring one gift each. God help the church. No wonder we're struggling with life. How we've allowed the traditions of the world. I mean, you're fussing about Christmas on a Christmas tree and you're believing this other stuff? Really? Picture this caravan 
of men coming to the house where Jesus is, and each one opens their treasure, and they give of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the church, we give one little piece of gold, one little box of frankincense, and one little box of myrrh. No, I got, oh, no, 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 no. You, you've got three to 500 men coming and dropping off on your porch out of their treasure. I said out of their treasure. In other words, what was valuable to them? That's another thing we got to learn. See, wise men always know, don't give something that does not value to you. Never give anything that doesn't have value to you because you're not going to get from it what you're supposed to get from it. That's not my teaching today. But so we can understand what I'm getting at is so we can understand. We talk about this subject of grace. It's so powerful that we cannot get this wrong. And it's been wrong for years and years and years. Because when you get it right, you realize my life is designed by God for increase. Grace is upon my life for increase. Glory to God. I said, it's upon my life for increase. Let me read you something real quick before we go to 2 Corinthians. I know some going, when are you going to go to 2 Corinthians? You guys over here all the time. I'm getting there. Don't worry. Look at this. For by grace you have been saved through the faith that not of yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, I cannot be saved by my works, but once I'm saved, Jesus said, by my faith, I will do good works. The good works that I'm going to do is what God has ordained for me before I ever became a child of God. He said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I chose you before the foundations of the world were laid. So when we, were, when we came into this world, we were already in God, even though we were not in the flesh. And when he brought us into this world in the flesh, oh my he brought us into the world with purpose. We couldn't get it right. So what did he do? He gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, came, became the incarnation of man. He took on the flesh of man so you could see God in man. And what did he do? He came to do a good work. And the only good work that Jesus could do was through the grace of God that was manifested in his life that he began to grow in so that when he went to the cross, he had the grace to look at them and say, forgive them. They know what they do. Empowerment. He was empowered. Didn't matter what his circumstance was. He's hanging on a cross. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. He's got a, 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 a hole in his side from a spear. He's been beaten beyond recognition. And he's looked out at them. And by the grace, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he's able to do the most unthinkable thing you can think of, and that is forgive them. So then they take his life, put him in the grave, and guess who shows up? The Holy Spirit, who's the empowerment of grace to resurrect Jesus from the dead. You see, you walk by grace, you can't keep a good man or woman down. Glory to God. 
They might even bury you, but you're coming out. Oh, come on, tell somebody, say, you're coming out. Grace of God. So powerful. He says in the 8th chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the children of Macedonia. The empowerment of God to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. That was upon this church in Macedonia. Then in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their, of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely and willingly imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift, the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And not only we, as we have hoped, but first give themselves to the Lord and then to use by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he began that so, he would also complete the, this grace in you as well. We're talking about giving here, folks. Now let me say something to you before I go any bit further. Giving means that I take something that is valuable to me in my life and I bestow it upon someone else. Now, it could be my time. The Bible knows that teaches us that time is the most priceless thing that we possess. Outside of our relationship with Christ, we can't redeem our time. How do, I, how, do I, how do I get my time back? I don't. But I, I'm able to manifest my time in such a dimension I can get more for my time than I could normally. That's how you redeem the time. It doesn't you get it back. It means that I'm able to get more out of the time than I could before. Get more done in the same amount of time. Amen? So my giving can be my time. My giving can be my talent. You, you, you see... These people up here every week, Minister Virginia, playing and singing and, and giving their time. They're, they're, not, they're not paid. Our, our team's volunteers. I always laugh when people come to me, how much do you have to pay your, your We don't. They volunteer. They love Jesus. They believe in the message. They believe in the church. Thank God for the time. They, they, they practice. They come and practice and, and get themselves prepared and ready. And they come. That's the reason it's so important that when you come into church and the music's going, stop your talking. These people have got a lot of time in prayer, praise, and presentation so that when they walk on that platform, they've got something that God has given them that can change your life. Pay attention. Amen. They're taking their talent which has great value to them, and they're giving it to you. Isn't that amazing? Your time, your talent, your finances. See, giving comes in so many different arenas. But grace is necessary for you to be the kind of giver God's called you to be. Because if you're not operating in the empowerment of God's grace, if, you, if you're not wrapped up in this grace, I said, if you're not wrapped in this grace, you're not going to be what God called you to be. In fact, you're going to, I call it the hit or miss Christians. You know what they are, don't you? Hit or miss Christians are people who come into an arena where God's moving and they get all excited and they leave and they got nothing to take with them. Because they don't understand the power of grace that's in them. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What is that? It's the empowerment of God 
for you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. Think about that. You wake up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. Brings a whole different thing to it, doesn't it? And I'm going to rejoice in it because I'm going to be what God created me to be today. I'm going to do what he called me to do. Watch out, world. Here I come. You start walking by grace and the enemy is going to be scared of you. Oh, my God, here they come again. Grace, watch this now. It says, I speak not, I'm in verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And I'm going to get into all that. We've already discussed that. Where did Jesus get his riches? Well, I don't know. If I had 500 rich people show up to me with their treasures, note up and give it to me, I'd probably be rich too. I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. You know, I'm just thinking, you know. I mean, I, I can just think of two or three that they want to give me from their treasures, I'll get rich. I don't need five. Huh? Just think with me a minute. Look around this altar. What, what would happen if everybody here says, we're going to take the most valuable thing that we have in our lives and we're going to give it to you? You think that would make you rich? If everybody here just came to you and said, here. Jesus was not poor. But he walked away from his riches. He went on his ministry. And everything he had was now turned over to the kingdom. Somebody said, well, you know, he, he didn't have anything. I know, that's why he had a treasure. Because he, he had a treasure walking around with a, with a bag with nothing in it because he made it look good. Again, church, you don't have a treasurer if you don't have something to count. Hello. But he said, I refuse to allow the riches of this world. So therefore, I've given up houses and homes and lands and left family for the sake of the gospel. Glory to God. He said, but I did that by the empowerment. Y'all need to get a hold of this. By the empowerment of of God, the grace, the empowerment of God for him to be what God created him to be and do what God called him to do. In other words, without grace, Jesus would not have been able to walk away from him. How hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because he puts his trust in his riches and it's hard for him to walk away from it. But Jesus, because of the grace that God had hidden in him and it was maturing and growing in him, and his obedience, he was able to walk away from that and said, that's not going to control my life. That the reason I'm doing it is so now, oh, Lord, help me here. So I can activate in mankind what God created them to do, to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish, to increase. Jesus said, I took my riches and gave it up and walked off into poverty so now my riches could be manifested. In, oh, if I'm in Christ, I'm a child. Any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All the old things pass away, all things become new. I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God, depending on what, what group you're coming from. Hallelujah. 
I said, I'm a child of God. Glory to God. Because of the empowerment that's in me, if I live in the, in the arena of grace, I'm going to have to increase. I'm going to tell somebody and say, you were born to increase. That's the reason I don't believe in uh, retirement. You can stop doing the job you've been doing. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, quit that. If you've done it 40 years, you're probably tired of it anyway. But don't retire from life. Always be increasing. I don't care how old you are. Always be increasing. Always find something you can increase with. Amen? Be a soul winner. Be a prayer warrior. Come on, stay with me, folks. Don't, don't ever stop sowing seed for harvest because it is abnormal for you to be a person who does not produce harvest. You were designed by God to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. You were designed by God to increase. You were designed by God to be above and not below, to be the head and not the tail. You were designed by God, as long as the earth remains, there's seed, time, and harvest. You were designed by God to be blessed so you're coming in and you're going out. You were designed by God to prosper so that he can take pleasure in your success. You have been designed by God to increase. Glory to God. I'm designed for increase. And Jesus paid the price because of his empowerment of grace. Look over in chapter 9. Starting in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, get excited about giving. Get excited about being able to give of your time, your talent, your energy, and your finance so other people can feel value and, and other people can be blessed because you're blessed to be a blessing. Look for even those you don't that don't give you don't even want to pay any attention to you. Still love them in spite of themselves. Bless them in spite of themselves. I learned a long time ago from my mentor John Evazzini. He simply said this. He he calls me now. Y'all can't do this, but he calls me Ricky. He says now you know. I'm, anyway, I'm a grandfather called Ricky. Uh, but he says to me, he says, you know, Ricky, whenever somebody upsets me, I send them a check. I thought, man, I want to slap him. I want to call him a name. I'm like, when I need money, I just make him mad. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, Brother John? He said, well, anybody gets in my spirit, you know what I'm saying? I said, yes, sir. He says, the only way I know how to forgive them is to give them a, uh, uh, send them a check and bless them, and I can't curse them and bless them at the same time. I'll leave that alone. But I learned from that. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. God is able to make all grace to increase. That word abound in the, in the original text means to increase. It means to have abundance. 
It means to increase not just once, but over and above. So God is able to cause his empowering presence to increase over and above toward you. That you, why would he do that? Why would he increase his grace on your life? Why would he increase it, it uh, over and above the empowerment of his presence and power in your life? That you always having all sufficiency. The word sufficiency is, it means contentment of heart because you're independent of external circumstances. There is no need for aid or support in the necessities of your life. In other words, I got so much, I don't need nothing. Now read it again. In God, he's able to make all grace, empowerment of his presence, for you to be what he created you to be and called you to be, do, to increase over and above, that you will always have independent extra from external circumstances, the aid and the blessing that you have no need of necessities in this life. So you are totally and completely content in all things that you may have abundance for every good work. Hear what he's saying to us. He's saying this. He said, my empowerment, if you will, if you will let it develop through your obedience to me, walking in faith, activating your belief in Christ and what he's done for you who took your poverty and gave, and gave up his riches and gave you his riches and took your poverty. If you believe what Christ did for you, that he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says, then this grace is going to not only abound, it's going to begin to increase over and over and over again in your life. To the point that you're so content in life with what you have, there's no need for you to want anything because you got everything you ever wanted. Consequently, you will be able to continue to give over and over and over again. Good works you will do and never stop doing because there will never be a need you meet that you do not have the ability to attend, but give to. Think with me a minute. How many times have you said this before? Boy, if I had it, I'd do it. See somebody going through something, man, you know, I wish I could help them. How many times have we said that? Here he says, if you let grace, the grace of God. See, our problem is this. We've been taught so wrong about grace that it's hard for us to believe because of where we come from and because of what our, our lack of education or our, our lack of, 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 of position or whatever it may be. It can be whether my gender or my race color or my whatever. We've been so caught up in what the world, we, we can't get through our heads that I am in the world, I'm not of this world. The grace of God is what separates me. I, it doesn't matter. There's neither male nor female in this deal here. It is the individual who has the empowerment of God dwelling in them that God is well able to cause that grace to increase over and over in your life that you are so independent of all the circumstances you face that you have no needs in your life, that you are totally content because you've got more than enough to keep blessing everybody else. And we sit there, and the first thing that goes through somebody's mind is I just said that as well. How's he going to do that? Why don't you start walking by grace and find out? 
Noah didn't have to build an ark, but he did it. <laughs> Watch this now. As it is written, he dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. I love that. Seed to the sower and bread for your food. Everybody say bread for your food. Let me say, let me go back again. This is what I learned from Dr. Or Roberts years ago. He gives seed to the sower. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. So why would he give you seed? Because you are a sower. And because you're a sower, God says, I'm obligated to give you seed. Why? Because as a sower, you're practicing what I created you to do. That's because you believe in increase. Glory to God. And because you believe in increase, I'm obligated to give you seed. Hard for us as Christians to believe in increase, isn't it? Be careful. Be careful. You get too blessed, and man, you know, then you turn your back on God. It's just the opposite. God says, I'm going to bless you so much you won't ever leave me. But we've taught it just the opposite in the church. We've convinced people to believe that, that if you get blessed, you're going to walk away from God. How hard it is for a rich man. But Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. So I, I like to keep the possibilities open. Amen. Now watch this now. He gives seed to the sower. Then he gives food for you to eat. Read your, read your Bible. Look at the scripture. Look what it says. Bread for food. Seed to the sower and bread for food. You know why? Lest you think that as the harvest is coming in that God's going to just let you starve till you get there. God said, listen, if you're a sower, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of until the harvest gets here. The only problem with that is we have a tendency to treat the food like it's the harvest. Yeah. Oh, Lord, I'm believing for a new car. Help me, make, help me, make, help me pay for my car. Oh, what I'm going to do is all of a sudden God, somebody comes up and says, God told me to give you this. You know, oh, my, that's, that's my car payment. Praise God. God answered prayer. No, it didn't. That's food. You want God to pay for your car. God's not going to get, oh, Lord, help me here. God's not interested in making car payments. Now, he'll help you. But if you understand how to activate this grace and operate in that empowerment and learn to be the giver he's called you to be, to be blessing someone else, to, to call someone else to increase, to call someone else to have value, then God says, what I'm going to do, because you've shown that, I'm going to keep giving to you what you need to give to someone else so you can sow it. But when you sow it, I will sustain you. I'll give you bread. Supply. Then I'll multiply the seed you have sown. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but bread for your food and supply, multiply your seed, have sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness. 
I'm going to multiply your seed. Seed and, and the bread you're eating are two different things. Why? Because bread is to satisfy you for a moment. Seed is to establish you for out eternity. Bread takes care of the moment, the circumstance. But the seed takes care of eternity. He's going to multiply your seed sown. Why? He says to increase the fruits of your righteousness. Let's look at the next verse here. I want us to see this. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. While you are enriched, the word enriched means while you are made wealthy, while you have abundance, while you have external possessions. Did you stay with me on that? I know I messed some of you up. We lost you back over here in the heavenlies. He's talking about here. Jesus, now go back to this minute. Jesus took our poverty, gave up his riches, took our poverty, we might be made rich. The word rich in that text was possessions. Jesus took poverty that we could have possessions riches so that we could be empowered by the grace of God to be a blessing wherever we go. A blessing. That you can be very generous in your life. You don't have to hold anything back in your life. You're enriched in everything. Why? So you, you, you can liberally give whenever to whatever in the moment that's necessary. My Lord. I said, my Lord. We're sitting in a church a few years back, and uh, we've been ministering in that church. And as I always do when I go to places and minister, I never ask people to do something I don't do. I always, if I ask them to sow a seed, I sow a seed. So the pastor said to me, he said, why don't you take up an offering for yourself? I said, I don't want to do that. He said, I don't want you to take an offering for yourself. I said, I don't want to do that. He said, no, you need to take this offering up for yourself. I said, teaching what I teach, I don't need to take offerings for myself. You just... Do what you're going to do, give an honor, what are you going to do, but you don't want to know. He, he, I mean, he got almost indignant. I said, okay, I'll do it. So we got up and we shared with the people. Brother Reese was with me, Mr. Reese was with me. He was, he was laughing. I said, now, I want everybody to look at me. I said, the pastor said I'm supposed to take up an offering. I said, uh, I don't need an offering. My house is paid for. Uh, my retirement is funded. I got money in the bank. There's nothing in this world that I need or want. My ministry is fully funded. But he wants me to take up an offering. So if you have an envelope, 
I want you to sow a seed for my offering. So later on, we're with the pastor. And he comes to me and says, hey, you want to handle that offering? I said, I don't know. How do you want to do it? He said, it's the largest offering we've ever had in the history of the church. I said, really? He said, what do you want to do? I said, he told me, I won't tell you what the number is. But I told him a certain percentage. I said, I want you to give me this. And you take 90% of the offering for the church. He broke down and started weeping. He said, it's been winter. We've missed several Sundays. We weren't going to be able to make payroll this week. He says, you not only funded our payroll, but you funded us for the rest of the month. Now, no, 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 no. You have to stay with me on this. How could that be? Because I walk in grace. I walk in empowerment. Because I walk that I can be liberal in any situation that I don't have to look over my shoulder. That if God speaks to me, I can give where I need to give of my time, my talent, my energy, my finance. And it doesn't change a thing for me. It doesn't change my life. It doesn't change my lifestyle. It doesn't change what I have or don't have. It doesn't change what I want or don't want. Because I have got the grace of God so empowered in my life that I can go forth and I see multiplication wherever I go. I increase in everything I do. I see the abundance of God in my family, all my kids are taught of the Lord. All my grandkids are taught of the Lord. They're all in the ministry today. None of them have separated from that. Why? Because I walk in grace. Because I gave my time, my talent, my energy to my family. I poured myself into them. Because of that, God is obligated by the empowerment that's in me to bring a harvest and an increase back into my life and into my family. I do it with churches. We built 26 churches. Why? Because we walk in grace. We've given millions of dollars away in this church to missions and stuff. That's why we're sitting in this building today when people said you couldn't be here. Because we have the empowerment of God. There's nothing we cannot do. There's nothing you cannot do when you walk in the grace and empowerment of God in your life. And you do it. As he said in the church of Macedonia, he says, you did it. You gave what you had to give, and then you gave over and above what you didn't have. But you activated the power of God now that he is obligated to give seed to you, feed you till your harvest comes in, multiply the harvest till you can now be liberal with anyone and everything you come in contact with and never have to hold back ever again. I don't know about you. I don't want to go back to what I came from. I want to be able to do what God told me to do when he tells me to do it and rejoice all the way with what God has for me. If he tells me to speak, I want to speak. If he tells me to pray, I want to pray. If he tells me to give, I want to give. If he tells me to sing, I'm going to sing. I'm going to do what? Listen, I'm, I'm in such a place in God right now. The empowerment of God is so important to me so that I cannot be someone who just talks about it, but I'm living the overcoming life in Christ Jesus. Whew. Look at this. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and your liberal sharing with them and all men. 
and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his inscribable gift, indescribable gift. What is the indescribable gift? It is the grace to be a giver. I can look at some of you already. You, you're never going to walk. I love you. You're never going to walk in anyway. I'm not going to give. You don't worry about it. Don't give. Keep it. Keep your time. Keep your talent. Keep your energy. Keep your money. But don't be mad at the rest of us because we're all dancing around the throne. <laughs> that last song we just sang was a good hint. You need to talk to your daughter. <laughs> in the presence of God folks you have to understand something if you come into the presence of God you have access to everything that's in the kingdom Sean is uh The youngest of two in our house. My daughter is older than him. But he's my son. My daughter too. But I'm going to use him because he's here. She's downstairs with the children. You know things about Sean. He really believes he's my son. <laughs> to the point. To the point. He comes and goes as he pleases in my house. Why? Because he's my son. And because he's my son, everything that I have or possess is his. I had this Remington in my office. It's a bronze sculpture. And uh, we put in a, our boardroom and stuff, and I said that we put up a, we had to put up a screen. So we, it, it, the Remington was in a way. I said, we need to move this Remington. We need to put it somewhere, Sean. What do you want me to do with it? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to do with it? Just, we can't leave it here. You can't see the screen. Was it six months later, a year later? A year later. I said, uh, what happened to Remington? You understand, this is a very expensive piece of art. This is a bronze statue of horses and all this stuff, westerns. Anybody knows Remington, you know what I'm talking about. Very expensive. My wife and I paid for it. We'd had it for a number of years. And I said, well, what happened to Remington? And he started laughing. He says, you told me to get rid of it. I said, what do you mean you get rid of it? He said, I put it on eBay and sold it. <laughs> Some lady in California for her husband. Where's the money? I kept it. <laughs> you want it back? No. Now, we're joking and all the above, but he knows because I'm just cutting up. That, that really happened, by the way. But the point what I'm getting at, though, is... I don't care. This is my son. Give somebody a hand, yes. 
the grace of God as the empowerment for you to be what he created you to be, do what he's called you to do, that when you learn to activate grace through the giving nature of God, God says, anything and everything I've got is yours. You want to give it, you want to sell it, you want to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't care what you do with it because if it's in my kingdom and because you're living in grace, it's yours. Oh, come on, church, get a hold of this. The empowerment, I'm wrapped in the empowerment of God to be what he created me to be, to do what he called me to do, so that I now can fulfill my purpose and destiny, which is that I am to be a representation of the kingdom of God wherever I go. And the way I represent the kingdom is I'm a giver. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And as long as I operate in that empowerment of my time, my talent, my energy, my finance, as long as I'm blessing somebody else, my sufficiency is never going to run dry. It's never going to cease. It's never going to stop. And wherever I go, I'm increasing. Oh, come on, tell somebody, say, it's time for you to increase. Come on, tell them, it's time for you to increase. Glory to God. It's time for you to increase. Praise you, Father. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.